as believers, we freaking hate sin. We hate it. And we'll do whatever we have to do to eliminate it. And patterns of poverty are sin patterns. They come against God's kingdom in your life. They're sin. So if you have to be a little bit ruthless to deal with your sin, do it. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. So, Stephen, I don't know if the yes, listeners... Mark. I don't, I don't know if the listeners know this or they can sense it, but you are not in studio today, are you? No, I'm not. What, what was your first tip-off? Well, the scratchy audio quality, um, it just felt... Which, which you're very sensitive to. I am. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not in studio for us to have crappy audio, but... <laughs> That's true. That's but, true. Uh, that, 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 it could be, it, it makes you suspicious at least. But today that is true. You, you are not in studio and that is the source. No. You're driving through a rainstorm in Texas, right? Well, the truth is uh, I'm not anywhere because um, I'm not even the same place I was when I started this sentence. I'm um I'm, and I'm not in Texas. I, I want to end up in Texas. Um, I am. I am in transit with the youngsters, headed to summer camp um, eventually. But um, I can give you a report. I can. I can happily and confidently report that Jesus is Lord of. I-55 between Memphis, Tennessee and Jackson, Mississippi, because we just passed our third, I don't know, 75-foot steel cross on the side of the highway. So I can only assume this is a redeemed stretch of road. Anyhow, yeah, that's where we are. I'll also tell you I'm excited because... Um, well, we're coming up on the lunch hour, and I'm about an hour and a half from Jackson, and I have found a one a, a very highly rated um, Southern cooking restaurant in Jackson, Mississippi, which Ooh. we will be which we will be enjoying today. It's called Lou's Full Serve, and it has magnificent reviews, and uh, that's where we're having lunch today. That sounds awesome. Well, nothing as exciting is happening here in Salt Lake City. Um, I will tell you that I just uh, did something crazy that maybe our listeners would want to do themselves this summer. And my wife was seeing a okay. patient. My wife was seeing a patient last week and just doing the standard banter. What are you doing this summer? And the patient said, well, I'm going to Alaska. I don't know if you know this, but the tickets to Alaska right now, they're, they're practically giving them away. And, uh, sure enough, Lake city or everywhere. That's, that's something the, the listener's going to have to figure out on, on their own. I haven't searched. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I suppose I could do that while we're talking, but, uh, <laughs> we just found 
ridiculously cheap flights, like cheaper than going to Boise, um, was going to Fairbanks. And okay. so I bought tickets to go see Denali National Park. Wow. The whole family? The whole family. And have you have you booked tours? Can you tantalize us with something wonderful you know you're going to do there already? We booked the eight-hour bus tour through the whole park. It's kind of like Zion National Park where they shut it down to private vehicles until the the very end of the season. So for most of the year, you can't drive through the park. So we booked ah. this bus tour that takes you and drops you off and you go hike a certain place and stuff like that. Um, that's the only thing I've booked so far. I think the, the thing that's in my mind, I guess only 30% of the people that visit that park get to see Denali, the peak because of the cloud situation. So yeah. I'm sort of wondering if I should just bite the bullet and find some Alaskan bush pilot to take us up and circle us around a little bit. Wow. That'd be exciting. Well, you know, you can always, uh, presumably they'll be stopping at some wonderful vistas to let you touch the country, right? And then you get yes. back in the bus. There's lots of, there's lots of hike around here on your own time. Oh, well, you know, you, you can do what me and Jeff Davenport did in Iceland, which is you just ditch the tour. We did this accidentally, but you could do it purposefully and just leave and just start running and they'll never catch you. But then how would we get home? Well, that'd be the downside of my plan. The upside would be you would see a lot of the national park in a way that others would not. The downside would be that you would die, which I, I, I'll throw in um, yesterday as part of our uh, road trip. Uh, we stopped off at Mammoth National Park and went through the Mammoth Cave, which is part of a 415-mile underground cave system in Kentucky. It's the largest one in the world by far. And uh, I was telling the girls, you know, we could just run away from the tour and run down one of these tunnels and they'd never find us. And we could do our own exploring. Of course, we probably would die. But the exploring, I mean, you yeah. might have a day and a half of really exciting exploring. If you could put impending death out of your minds, yeah, then... You might, I always think about that if I ever find myself like jumping out of a plane without a parachute, I hope I'll be able to enjoy that really exciting final <laughs> yes. two minute ride. Yes. Yeah. Just wide eyes, exhilaration. Don't worry about what's coming up because that's not going to, that's not, that's going to only rob you of the, the enjoyment of that 90 seconds. Right. You just kind of go, this is fun. Yeah, that's a good. Good point. Well, that's great. Denali National Park. Never been there. I've been to the much more uh, pedestrian uh, Anchorage and down to Seward on the coast, but never, never Denali. That's wonderful. It looks like they named a, they named a truck after that park. Yeah, fancy one. Yeah. If you if you want to go to Fairbanks from, say, Cincinnati, you're going to spend some money. 
this summer. Okay. Um, okay. Dallas, it's running you about 400 bucks. Um, if you want to get there from Nashville, I just don't recommend it. It's a thousand dollars a ticket. Um, and what about Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City, you're going to pay less than two hundred dollars a ticket. You'd be a fool not to pay that money. I I think so. Um, I, I'm doing one last little little check to to see what our listeners can get if they are in Los Angeles, which. You know they're probably wanting to leave anyways because they're in Los Angeles. Yeah, they Angeles. probably are. But Los Angeles, two hundred and eighty dollars a person, so that might be an hey. option. Yeah. Um, but there you go. If you're in Seattle, okay. you can just ride your bike up there. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the problem? I once did a road trip uh, from Cincinnati up through uh uh what's that uh, glacier in montana yes and then up up the up the yukon highway um and actually that was one of my i think that might have been the first time that i was in anchorage uh drove up through that lovely canadian wilderness and then uh and then to anchorage it was a great deal I had a friend who was in Cincinnati. He was, he's a pilot and he was relocating to Anchorage where they still live. And, um, he's like, I need my, I need my family van. I want to keep that van. Would you drive it up there for me? And the answer was a strong yes. Yes. Me. That sounds like a good time. Well, let's talk about wrapping up this little, this little series we've been doing on the topic yes. of poverty yes so to to review we did an episode where we just talked about what does the bible have to say about the subject of poverty in general and uh we found conclusively that it is a curse it's not a blessing it's a bad deal but i want to i want to put a little um, amendment on that talk um because we didn't cover say, the Jesus scenario, where someone has, um, for the sake of the kingdom, they have renounced uh, worldly wealth or, or developing wealth. And I would just say, in my estimation, that that situation is not poverty from a biblical standpoint. Poverty is when you, you cannot, you cannot save, you cannot earn, you cannot build some momentum with finances in such a way that you're not trapped. And Jesus wasn't trapped. He was skilled. He could have had a whole career as a carpenter, but he was going to be itinerant. He was going to be preaching around. So he left those things behind and people supported him in his uh, ministry. But, um, so I just want to throw out, some people think that we're all, even if you have a family, you're supposed to somehow kick away all finances and be, you'll be super godly if you don't have anything and you just scrape getting by. The Bible doesn't present that picture. We talked about that in the first episode. Then you did a review of a book called Scarcity, which is just a research um, on what happens to your 
soul? What happens to your mind? What happens to your emotions when you don't have anything? Um, and then I did a little solo episode where I talked about the spirit of poverty and how to combat that thing, how to recognize it and how to repent from it so that you can come out on the other side. So let's say for today that somebody has done that. Um, let's say they're from a family of poverty. They recognize some of those earmarks that we described. Boy, that's me. I've never been able to get ahead. They, they prayed with me in the last episode that I did. They, they walked through some repentance. They're still kind of having some thoughts come to light where they realize, boy, I've got to get out of this thing. But they're trying to, they're, they're trying to walk out of it. But they still have very little. They, they don't really know how to save. Budgeting is kind of a mystery for them. Now, I, with that set up, I'll turn it over to you and let you start guiding us with your advice for those folks. Yeah, so I'm going to want you to jump in here from time to time, because what I tried to do is think, okay, if you found yourself in patterns of poverty, what, what kind of are some practical and some way of thinking changes that you can make? Um, I think yeah. that there's also some, just like you would say, I'm going to avoid this type of financial instrument. You might also say, I'm going to avoid this uh, mental or spiritual territory in where I let my mind go. Um, so uh, I, I think that there's a lot of things that somebody's going to do. But the first thing that that comes to my mind is, you know, when we talked about describing what poverty looks like, uh, really the overarching thing I learned from that book we reviewed was that there's a tunneling effect that happens um, when you're in poverty. So you you no longer think I'm in a pickle here and the the way I get out of that pickle, I could do option A, but it's going to put me into a much deeper hole or I can take a lot of pain now and work my way out of this in, in some time. Um, when, when people are experiencing poverty, they tend to be very vulnerable to going with, just get me out of the pain right now. Um, you know, I talked right. to a short term, short term, um, impulsive thinking about whatever. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things I want to talk about today, just how to combat that. But I talked to a guy last week who was going to get a paycheck much later than expected. And in my mind, coming from an outside non-poverty spot, I thought, oh, this is going to be helpful to his family because they're going to have to make do on less for a month. And then when that check comes in, they'll go, wow, we've been able to save. And now instead of spending this check on just consumption that we normally would, we've got a little bit of extra. So now we have some slack in the system. And then I realized as I talked to him about it, uh-oh, this guy might just put it all on a credit card and live like normal because, hey, I'm getting paid in four weeks. And that is how the poverty vortex tends to really get ramped up financially for somebody. Um, so I think just being outside of poverty, you can look at that and go, hey, it's Lodo Feb. You, you had an experience like this. last. I, I think it lasted for about... Um, 
all of 2020. Okay, our, yeah. in, our income is significantly less than we expected. Um, but we believe that the business will come back at some point, which by the way, the business is coming back, right? It is coming back. That's right. Little... Hallelujah. Um, but, uh, you know, the poverty mentality would have said, well, we're just going to go into debt this year uh, and we're going to continue living as normal. Um, but that's not what you guys did because that's not really something you guys were dealing with. Uh, instead, you said, well, this is how much money there is and this means everything gets gets put on the table. Um, so I think at the philosophical level, that means if you find yourself having struggled with this way of living that just goes from crisis to crisis, financially or otherwise, you have to make some really hard choices today that invite pain instead of easing the immediate frightening pain um, at the cost of tomorrow's prosperity. So that's kind of my, my overarching goal. Um, and then we can talk about some specific ways that you might do that. That's a great point. Terrific. So to go back to my story of my buddy, um, he couldn't see the, the ways in which there were just lots of snakes in the grass for uh, his plan of just living like normal uh, because he was kind of in a poverty cycle already. Uh, I could see it very clearly and I could say, hey, here's what you should do instead. Um, we've talked about it on the blog and I think even on the podcast, the idea of having what I would call a board of directors for your life. Um, and if you're in, if you've, if you've dealt with poverty at any level, even if you're doing financially well and you're not struggling with this stuff, if you think it might be creeping around in the back recesses of your mind or your financial habits, you really, really need to find a group of people who can be outside of your situation and they can say, hey, that's a stupid way to respond to this opportunity or challenge or whatever that you're facing. Um, so I think this is particularly an important piece of um, getting out of a poverty mentality. We, we even, when we talked about this, we talked about how poverty has been documented to make you dumb. So people who are struggling with poverty score really, really low on IQ tests. It's not because they're stupid people. It's because they're facing challenges that bring a whole lot of uh, stress into the system. Uh, and so having some external voices in your life, I think, is extremely important. That is so smart. Um, I, I, I've got some thoughts on that. One is the Bible says um, that we'll become like the people that we spend time with. Um, it says that in a, several Proverbs. Um, it says that we're known by the company that we keep. It says if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. And if you have um, generational problems with poverty or if you've experienced that in your lifetime, one just great move of humility is to just recognize I haven't been good at this. I'm not skilled in this. I don't think the right way. And I know that it can feel daunting to pick two or three people around you that you go, I'm going to let this person know what's happening in my life financially, but it will serve all of your generations. If you can take that step and actually surround yourself with a couple of people who go, they know God, 
and they're financially responsible and I'm going to make myself vulnerable and transparent before them, at least financially, to get their input because they think in a way that I don't yet think and to get their reactions to whatever you're going through. This is so smart if you have inherited large money and you've never dealt with large money before. This is one of the main reasons that people get financial advisors because financial advisors, they don't drop their jaw and start drooling if you say, okay, you've got a million dollars. Whoa, they, they don't, their knees don't start shaking. They think, okay, well, I can tell you what to do with a million dollars. And they're level-headed about it. And you need friends around your life like that who can help you get to a new place. Um, just, just one anecdote is I recall sitting down with a friend. He had just come into an inheritance. And they were, I'm not kidding, and, and it wasn't large. It was like, well, I'm saying, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't gigantic. I know this sounds big. It was about $200,000, which is... It isn't nothing, but it's not life-changing money. It doesn't. It w it's not going to change your life over a 40-year period. So, and and th this family was in debt, and they had come into this inheritance. And me, I'm thinking, well, we take care of our um, our debt that's really killing us on interest rates. So we wipe out credit card debt for sure. Well, let's can let's look at your mortgage, see what that's like. And then we might put money to places where you've been hurting. That is, you don't have a good 401k set up. You don't have education money set aside for your kids, et cetera. And, and that's just what I was thinking. And when he sat down to talk to me, he started going, well, we're thinking we're going to celebrate with a cruise. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what's that going to put you back? Well, we want to do the really good one. So it's a family of five. So it, we think it'll be around 20 or 30 grand. I'm like, okay, well, I know that he's already said this to his family. I'm sure the kids are already excited about it. And I'm just going, man, we, we are not thinking about this right. So just having somebody to think with you through the next steps financially is a huge thing, especially if you have um, dealt with poverty or a poverty mindset in your past, which by the way, I'll say again, you can have a lot of money and you can have a lot of income and still deal with a poverty mindset. And you probably aren't, don't really know that unless you have some wise and financially healthy people around you who are giving you responses to what you're doing. So that's a great tip. Awesome. Um, another thing that we learned about poverty through the last few weeks is that it dramatically reduces self-control. Um, yes. And the reason is it makes sense. You just want to numb the constant background noise of worry and stress and such. So, you know, obviously there's money, there's other types of manifestations of a spirit of poverty, you know, um, poverty can make you fatter, believe it or not. It can make you stuff yeah. your face with nachos. Uh, I yep. personally have noticed that I am much more tempted to waste an hour shopping for junk I don't need online uh, when I'm on a tight time crunch for a project because I just, I want a mini vacation from the pressure that I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and so I was listening to one of my favorite 
sports, nutrition, exercise, science podcasts. Um, and they were just talking about if you, this sounds obvious when I say it, but if you're setting out to eat a certain way and you find that you constantly aren't eating that way, you must get rid of all of the temptation products that are in your home. Yeah. So just like if you're going to deal with a food problem and you say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be tempted by nachos at 10 o'clock every night. Well, you shouldn't have tortilla chips in your house. Um, yeah. And if you struggle with blowing money that you don't have, um, then I would say make it mechanically hard to do that. So that could be that you have a very low limit on, or even, or even a prepaid credit card or debit card. So there's not the option to, to run up a big bill. Um, my wife realized a while ago that she's just gonna, if the Amazon app is on her phone, she's going to buy crap that she doesn't really need. So she deleted it and she doesn't have a password to Amazon anymore. If she wants to buy something, she texts it to me and says, I think we need this. And about that is so smart. 80% of the time, the answer is of course, um, 20% 20% of the time I say, wait a second, we don't need batteries. I know where there's a whole package of them and we save ourselves money just by having that. That's kind of a combo of outside opinion and uh, a mechanism to, to get rid of impulse spending. Um, so what's the mechanism you recommend? For, I think this is all oh. that. I think it's getting rid of, oh, getting okay. rid of the, the portals. So if that's apps, if that's, um, you know, I just, Amazon makes our life super, super easy. If you're spending gobs of money that you don't have on junk from Amazon, delete your account. It's, it's an option. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit later, but a lot of times we just assume that we need so much of the things so that we have to struggle against, stuff that you don't actually have to struggle against. You can just get rid of it. Um, you know, we talk to guys about pornography all the time and say, yeah. you don't have to struggle with having access to this junk on your phone. You can just get rid of the phone if this is a problem. Um, and we have a lot of friends who have, who have made that move. So, um, you know, you can let, pay- let me insert something in, into that, which is because I, I know guys who, that we've gotten up to that exact place in a conversation, but in practice, what they really say with their lives is that the convenience of say having maps on my phone is so great to me that I'm not willing to get rid of the opportunity for pornography on my phone. And I I just want to put a little advertisement in here that as believers, we freaking hate sin we hate it and we'll do whatever we have to do to eliminate it and patterns of poverty are sin patterns they go they come against god's kingdom in your life they're sin so if you have to be a little bit ruthless and get rid of the convenience of a amazon app to deal with your sin then do it Get tough on your flesh and be brave and say, I hate the sin that wants to kill me and I'm not going to give it an opportunity. 
So the mechanisms that Mark is talking about, do them. Yep. Because the enemy doesn't just want you to have less money. He wants to kill you, and he wants to end the, the prosperity of your generations. He wants to lead your family into divorce. He wants to separate your children from you. He, he wants to kill you. So let's get a little tough about dealing with sin. All right, that's my little advertisement. Yeah. One of the notes I put on here is you can even just pay with cash. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a, an old trick that my mother and father-in-law used forever is they said we're just going to put cash in an envelope and that's the grocery budget um but it comes with an extra bonus these days because if you hand someone cash and maybe cough a little bit when you hand it to them you get to see them squirm over your dirty covid money um, yeah which little I entertainment value it's kind of fun yeah um okay next big topic you know we talked about how most poverty is defined by there's no slack in the system uh you you might remember i've thought about it since we talked about it but talking about rock climbing without a rope versus rock climbing with a rope suddenly the exact same stuff feels much much harder because the consequence of failure is huge um yeah you know if you're on a tight deadline and everything has to go perfect for you to hit it you feel more stress and it's harder to do good work than if you're working and you have plenty of time and you, you can rework and things like that. Um, so it's true of time. It's true of money. Um, and this is part of the reason for that, that stress that we talked about. Um, yeah. You know, if you know that one domino falls the wrong direction in your financial plan and the whole thing's going to tumble, that's stressful. Um, yeah. So we've talked here on the podcast and on the blog about how to budget. I really do believe that if you're good at budgeting over the long run, the norm is that you're going to build wealth. Um, yeah. And that's, that's because you plan slack into the system. You say, here's how much, you know, for me, I always budget. Here's the minimum that I think we will reasonably be able to earn, not you know, if you're a sales guy, you don't budget to hitting 200% of your target. Right. Um, you budget to, okay, I know I'm going to be able to provide for the family um, this much money. And so I'm not going to hope that I make more than that. And that's my monthly budget. I'm going to base this on on the, the reasonable expectation. And then I'm going to add in everything. So many budgets that I look at include the stuff that people are used to spending every month, groceries, car payment, mortgage. But then I say, well, you have to insure your car. That only happens twice a year usually, or once a year, um, that you have to write a check for that, but that's not in your budget. So when that comes, you don't have any slack and you're screwed. Um, Yeah. So planning well Every single dollar that you spend in a year, we've got tons of resources on that. If you want to, to go into depth, just search budget on our podcast, search budget on our blog. There's lots of good stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that sticks out to me is that Sabbath is the whole concept of Sabbath is there is slack in the system, not to catch up on work, but 
landscape because there's this constant mental background noise of I have to do, I have to catch up. Sabbath is a, a command that relieves us of that pattern and gives us time to just say no i'm not doing and i'm not catching up and and um, i think even if if the poor we talked about how people who are in poverty often say um they can't afford to uh to buy insurance health insurance for example well obviously the the opposite is true I think a lot of times people in poverty would say, I can't afford to take Sabbath. And and the truth is that stepping back and resting would probably reset so many of the systems that are going haywire. That's great. I'll give you, I'll give another example for the, the sort of slack and uh, walking yourself into stress. And just to touch back on a recent episode that we had talking about uh, crypto money. We had we said on our podcast that if you want to get into speculative or alternative assets, that you have to be very self-controlled about doing that. And and in uh, February um, is when I bought for my first uh, Bitcoin, and it was screaming up um, and very exciting. And to, to limit myself, as we said, to 1% of my net worth was very difficult in, I don't know, May, April, May. Um, but I did. And I have friends, I have a couple of friends who I'd say, oh, 80% of their wealth is in crypto right now. Yes. And Bitcoin is not doing very well right now. And we're all scratching our heads going, huh, is this going to fall apart? Huh, I guess it could fall apart. And it's not doing what, what all of the uh, pundits said that it would do. They said it, Bitcoin would be at 100,000 by June. Well, let's say I think 30,000, 35, something like that. And with my 1%, I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders going like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's going to fall apart. Whereas my friends who have gone crazy into it, they're, they're, they are suffering from the buttock clench sphincter squeeze of their lives right now. So just, I'll just throw that out that, that, that uh, the poverty, this is something that I've seen repeatedly is that the poverty mindset looks for the easy home run, um, looking for the, uh, forgive me for sounding pejorative here, but just sounding for looking for the shortcut. And I can, I'm, I'm going to tell you that when I was putting my 1% into Bitcoin and I was thinking of transferring like index fund money that I have and going, Oh, I like to put that into Bitcoin too. It, l- literally this verse went through my head that the Bible likes building wealth little by little. I was thinking, this isn't little by little. This is the hope that there's going to be a grand slam in the next two months. That just comes to mind when you talk about slack in the system, not not putting yourself in an uncomfortable position when you don't have any, not spending what you don't have, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah. that came to mind. I, I've, I had the exact same thought. I got I got pretty hot on some of the crypto stuff for a while, and I still have probably a pretty big position. Um, but 
I had the exact same thought that there's a part of my spirit that is trying to say, well, I don't want to be in that position again, where I go, well, if, I, if only I had done this, then I'd have, you know, $20 million. Um, and I think it's, it's sin. And I had to say, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to play that game. Um, of course, there's people who built wealth little by little because they were smart enough to see the the value in crypto assets sure. a long time ago. Um, so it's not a judgment on the the thing itself, um, but no. it's more of an encouragement to say, really evaluate your motives. Yeah, that's right. Good. Um, here's what, here's a, here's one that might, you may never have heard this, uh, good tip for getting out of poverty, um, or for breaking poverty cycles. Okay. D- don't buy stuff you can't afford. Huh. Okay. <laughs> and Go what, on. I, what I mean by that is it's really step one for people is they don't buy stuff that they don't have the money for. So that's like, I don't have a thousand bucks of extra money, so I'm not going to buy the new TV, obviously. But what I've seen is that people often do not consider the costs of ownership in the lifestyle expansion choices they make. So they buy a house that they can maybe barely make the mortgage payment, but they can make it, you know, it's, it's doable. And then they get put into hurt because there's all this other stuff that they never thought about. Right before we started this uh, this podcast, there was a man in my basement doing three hundred dollars worth of work to my AC unit just to keep it healthy. Um, uh huh. And there's a lot of those things that happen with a, with a home, especially. Um, but I would say anywhere where you're expanding um, life, there's there's costs, and you know this goes back to what I was saying earlier that. Um, if there's, there's a lot of things that are optional that people aren't considering optional. Uh, when we talked about patterns of people in poverty, one of them was that a huge percentage of the average person who's dealing with poverty's wealth goes to late fees and reconnection fees and just trying to yeah. catch back up. Um, so here's a hot tip. If you ever pay a late fee because you legitimately couldn't come up with a way to pay on time, uh, I think we all once in a blue moon are going to pay a late fee because we forgot. So that's a different story. Um, but if it's ever a legitimate late fee, um, then you need to probably consider cutting that out of your budget uh, now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you'd probably need electricity, water and gas service on a monthly recurring basis. Uh, and you need some sort of housing, but you don't, here's a shocker. You don't need internet. Um, you could walk to the library and use their internet. And this is something we talked about on one of the podcasts where I said, you know, when the average American's dealing with a a $2,000 car repair expense, um, for more than 50% of people, that's a huge crisis. But what you don't hear when you hear that stat is, most all of those people live pretty close to a bus stop and they could, instead of going into debt to, to pay for that repair, they could walk to the bus for a couple months, which would suck. Um, but it could be done. 
And, yep. and that's where I just think putting everything on the table uh, when there's when there's obvious signs that something is not right um, is important. So I talk to people who think that having a hundred dollar a month cell phone bill is just a part. It's as important as electricity, water, and gas at the home. And that's just not true. You could switch to one of these $15 a month talk and text only plans, and you would probably be able to get all your work done. Um, so I just think the enemy uses tactics of convincing you that most of the financial complications in your life are completely necessary and yeah. they really, really aren't. You could you could yeah. really pare it down to very, very simple and still yeah. be be totally enjoying your life and living out your mission. Yes. I, I wonder how many of those people who can't afford a $1,500 emergency on their car walk around with smartphones. Well, all they don't of need them. a smartphone <laughs> and they don't need... And they don't need the bill, the monthly bill that goes to their smart form. I wonder how many of them have cable. And as you say, in-home internet and all of these extraneous, they're luxuries. I mean, all we have to do is go think of 50 years ago. What did a successful businessman look like at work? I remember this was just a few years ago. I was uh, doing a contract with a guy in Dallas, went into his office. It was an older man. And his desk, watch out for this, Mark. His desk was a, a two-line phone and and papers. And he had a calculator on his desk. The guy did not have a smartphone. He didn't even have a computer on his desk. He did business. He was a, he was an oil man. He, he did business and contracts and land development with a telephone, a legal pad, and a calculator. You think, well, how are they doing things 50 years ago? Well, we put men on the moon with calculators. Um, yeah, you don't have to have the, the latest of anything to to be doing just fine. And so, yeah, we should repent of that American. Got to get the new tech. Got to get the latest thing. And we have to just be loaded up with all the equipment. No, you don't. And if you if you are going to get serious about combating poverty, you might have to strip things down so that your budget starts to be a winner. If your budget isn't a winner, you're never going to get out of poverty. So you've got to create a winner of a budget that has black at the end of it and not red. That's um, right. And so you you got to be wise and you got to be ruthless. So. Yeah. When I was in high school, I remember walking over at lunchtime to your apartment, and that was one of those periods where uh, high income was not something that described your life. Um, no, you could say. And you said, "Hey, I'll make you. I'll make you lunch. Come over, and we would split a can of soup that probably was an eighty-nine <laughs> cent scratch and dent yeah. special." <laughs> yep. But. Uh, I think that you learned something in that in that time that probably oh yeah told you okay I can sleep on a mattress in an empty apartment and yep. all all I need seventy five dollar mattress a few cans of soup and an old 
combo TV VHS so I can keep the Sting music videos on on repeat. <laughs> that was that that TV VCR was a somebody gave me that they were gonna throw it away and I was like I'll take your trash and I remember watching uh, a couple of years of NBA Finals on that TV. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll tell you, here's a great little Lodo uh, anecdote from last night. So the way that I do road trips is I, it's not against the law to plan out where you're going to go every night. It's just not what I do. I drive until I'm tired. And we, we drove until uh, Memphis last night. And um, I get on my little, uh, uh, I use the, the hotel points credit card and, um, that's when I have a one, one night off where I need to stay somewhere, I stay for free on points that I've generated with my credit card. So I'm just looking on the Hilton system, find a uh, suite somewhere. We've got suite. It's got a kitchenette in it. And I reserved that, ran by the Kroger with my daughters and said, we can make whatever you want for dinner, anything you want. And you know what they selected? They selected a box of mac and cheese and fresh green beans. I think we all ate last night for about $8. Uh, that's because I went crazy and got some stuff on my own. And that included a pick-your-own-dessert. I thought that was a that was a fun Lodo moment with the girls in the, in the kitchenette, in the suite, on the road. Kind of yeah. Fun. I mean, I hope they get some protein at one of these days, but <laughs> someday when we get to the grandparents' house, they'll have butchered meats. <laughs> cool. Well, that's all I've got today on poverty. Do you that's have awesome. anything? No, anything I think that's missed? great. No, I, I think that once you repent, the main thing is to repent and just say, I, I have broken heart systems around money and just confess it to the Lord. And then you invite him, would you start rewriting my mind so that I can think in scriptural ways about these things so that I can start walking with the wise. You start assembling those people around your life. You do some good hard work on a budget. And very soon you could be, now wait for it here. You could be somebody with, now let's go back to my days in that apartment. I think I was making, uh, let me tell the truth here. Well, one of those years I didn't make any money because I felt like the Lord told me not to get a job. So I didn't make any money at all and lived just fine. This is the same poor guy, by the way, who had just come off the mission field. And God had told me, I felt like God told me for a year, don't get a job. Just spend a year with me. And by the way, I made ends meet. I'll tell you, there's an amazing, uh, this is a good, great little anecdote to finish off. It was during this year, I had told the Lord, okay, I won't. And it wasn't, he didn't say do it for a year. I just felt like he said, don't get a job. So I, which is not, not does not agree with my will. You know, I, I have a responsibility in me. Um, so uh, during this year, somebody asked me to sing at their wedding and, uh, I agreed to it. They gave me a, they gave me a card at the end of the wedding. If you're singing in a wedding and the groom gives you a card at the end of the wedding, you like that. 
you think that's a good thing because it probably doesn't say inside it, thanks for singing at my wedding. You think there's probably a check in there. And um, I open up this card. I don't, I don't know. I don't think this guy knew my situation. Um, he was just a successful business guy who I knew from church. He, he gave me a thousand dollars to sing in his wedding. And that covered uh, three months of rent for me. And, you know, the Lord knows how to provide for people. But anyways, I was going to say, I think I made, I don't know, 20, maybe $20,000 one, one of those years that you, uh, you were around that apartment. And I would say I was on the road to wealth in those days. And again, I'm comparing myself in those days to somebody that might be listening. I would say I was on the road to wealth because I lived under my means. I, I gave wisely, not crazily, to make some declaration about what a great person of faith I am. I gave responsibly. I was a giver to church and to others. Um, I, was, I was saving. And those numbers were all very small. But that doesn't matter if the numbers are small. I was living under my means. I was responsible with my money. I wasn't getting into credit card debt or anything like that. And that might be somebody that's listening too. And if you ever hear us say anything about poverty, we want you to know we have ultimate faith that God can build anybody from any means into any level of prosperity he wants. But I tell you what he rec recognizes and looks for is faithfulness. And so I just want to give a shout out to people to be faithful with what God's put in front of you. Maybe you heard Mark say something today where you're like, I do need to tell my good friend John about my finances because he's good with his money. He doesn't know how bad I am with my money because I'm too ashamed to tell him because I would never want to confess my sin to John, which, by the way, you get a blessing if you do that. So you know what? There's a job in front of you God's given you to reach out to John. You should write him an email as soon as you can when you finish with us right now and say, I, we need to get together because I need to take a step of obedience with God toward my finances. Or maybe you need to have a sit down with your wife and you go, our budget is not in order. And I, in wanting to look like a hero to you, I have not challenged you on some things that we really can't be doing because they don't lead to long-term wealth for us. I need to challenge you, or I have to confess, I, I'd score, I, I don't know, can't, make sports bets on the side that you don't know about, and I'm ruining us financially. I have to confess that. And we have to get bold, and we have to get strong and ruthless about the way that we're handling our money. Whatever that is, the Lord sees it. And he sees whether you're going to be faithful or not. And he has a way of rewarding people who are faithful. So I want to encourage everybody, if you feel like you're in any kind of a hole, any, any, even a, 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 as I'm driving along, a, a pothole, even if there's just, you're not in a huge trench in your life, but there's just little potholes. There's these little things in your life that you need to deal with. Hey, deal with them and walk out of poverty once and for all. And may that be the case for all of us. Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks for your time, Mark. Uh, I'll see you in Texas. I'm coming up on Jackson, Mississippi, and delicious Southern foods, even as we talk. Ooh-wee. All right. Well, Woo! drive safe. All right. Catch you okay. next week. Okay. Bye. <laughs>